1: head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
2: Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William.
1: I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to the Boxing Day match review of the London is Blue podcast. We are unfortunately talking about... A pretty poor defeat to Southampton. Dan here, Brandon is away, consoling himself, <laughs> maybe shaking uncontrollably in a corner, rocking back and forth, tears coming down his eyes. But no surprise, Nick Verlaney, beard and all, has made it back on the show. How are you doing, Nick?
2: Good. All things considered, <laughs> um, the the Dan and Nick show is back to solve the world's problems. Um, I'm sure there will be much rejoicing in the Podverse.
1: Well, it makes sense that we would come to solve world problems after a result like today.
2: Ugh. This is the perfect
1: time for a Nick and Dan show.
2: Yeah. Oh my god. Um. Can't can't wait to talk about this one, Dan.
1: Well, let's get into it. We do do always have a theme of the show, and uh, I see in our script here, Nick, that you have loaded in your theme. So what is our theme of this episode?
2: Theme is one step forward, two steps back. Uh, I think that should be pretty obvious given our last two results. But uh, yeah, incredibly disappointing follow-up performance, Dan, after an amazing result at the weekend against Tottenham. Uh, It's just... You know, unfortunate that the team can't can't string them together like they were earlier in the season.
1: That is quite the problem. And we will get into that because we're going to cover a couple topics today. Mainly why this continues to happen versus, quote, lower level opposition, unquote. Maybe it's a problem at Stanford Bridge at home specifically. And then what other options Frank's might might have at his disposal to turn this around and. There's a lot of negative elements that can be pulled out of this match in particular, but it's kind of a microcosm of some of the larger challenges facing the club right now. So we're going to dive into maybe more of the broader uh, strokes that we can kind of take a look at. Apple podcast reviews, Patreon, things of that nature. We're going to hold that until another episode. We bring branded back on, but Nick, I know you want to tease out before we jump into this match review slash philosophical conversation about life in Chelsea. DNA series is coming out next week with our first episode. Give people a little tease there.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we haven't totally finalized everything. You know, we're still working with the club to get um, a little bit of a green light on. On some of their uh, their help and supporting the series, but uh, we're pretty confident that the first episode with Bobby Tambling, which will be an audio only, um, unfortunately our video got corrupted when we were doing the, the interview. There will be coming out on New Year's Eve, so a little um, a little lead into uh, twenty twenty with the rest of the episodes: Mason Mount, Fakayo Tamori, Aaron Cuthbert uh, streaming in. Dan about the the week after that, so. Uh, lots of awesome content coming your way. It's it, we're Again, we apologize that this has taken so long. Uh, something that we are uh, are hoping to kind of speed up in the future. But um, we're we're really excited for the Bobby interview, Dan.
1: Well, we're not trying to drop fives. We're trying to drop tens. And uh, that's what we're going to do. A 10 out of 10 performance. Bobby Tamling was a treat. You're going to love it. And the rest of the DNA series is awesome, too. So stay tuned for all of that. But, Nick, we can't put off any longer. We have to talk about this match Yes, yes, we do. Ugh. Again, Southampton in the Premier League at, yes, Stamford Bridge, formerly a fortress and now maybe more of a leaky ship at the moment. On this December 26, 2019, Boxing Day, the result was Chelsea nil, Southampton 2. Nick, two goals, 31st minute, 73rd minute. I I just want to lead in with a, what? what's the one emotion you would say that you're Filled with right now not in the script posing the question just fresh out there go emotion that you are feeling after this match
2: frustration I think Um, you know it's you know and I think that frustration can can be directed a few different ways but um, you know I think it's frustration that you know there wasn't a strong follow-up performance from the players today especially those getting you know a shot to really prove themselves Uh, I think it's frustration that Frank got outmanaged a little bit again by by a lower quote unquote lower level uh, uh, opposition manager. I think there's frustration that the atmosphere in the stadium uh, wasn't wasn't super again. I think there's just frustration with the with the home record in general. We're going to touch on all these things, but uh, you know, Dan, we were on such a high on Sunday, and it, again, it just. It just feels like once step forward and two steps back.
1: Yeah, this is probably not the right word to describe my feelings, given we're going to talk for a little bit about these problems. But flabbergasted was huh. the way that I felt after this. I just can't continue to come up with words as to why this is happening and what exactly is happening. And we're going to try to delve into that match lineup. Not really a huge surprise here, Nick. We saw Blog and Goal. We saw Rudiger, Zuma, Tomori. We saw Aspilqueta, Conte, Jorginho, Emerson, Hudson, Adoy, William, and Tammy Abraham. So a few changes from the lineup that beat Spurs, but you know the formation or that 3 three four three really stayed the same.
2: Correct, and and you know I think I'm not going to hide from this. I, I thought that you know given our defensive success against Spurs that. You know, a three-four-three three could be the formation to carry us through the new year, just because we we seem so effective and the passing seems so crisp and and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but it it was goal, It was kind of aimless. And the the point of the three-four-three, three, Dan, is is to really hunker down and and not give up easy chances. Um, and so when you do that twice and then the the attacking passing forward is is not there and you don't have superhero performances from Mason Mount and Willian to, to drive the ball forward, the, the formation seemed a little bit uh, lacking today, I should say.
1: That is fair. And we did see unused substitutes of Andreas Christensen, Ross Barkley, Willie Caballero and Mishi Bacchuaí. Pedro, Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic all had a chance to come in and try and impact the game. But, again, the line, scoreline did not change. Our shots, 10 to their 5. Our shots on target, 3 to their 3. We had 67% possession. We had almost 700 passes to their 355. 80% at pass accuracy to their 63. 10 fouls to their 9. 3 yellow cards to their 2. 1 offside to their 2. And 8 corners to their 1. And then, Nick, expected goals. Point 0.8 for us, point 0.9 for Southampton. It's not often we're saying that a side like Southampton without Danny Ings for the majority of the match are a more clinical side, but they ended up with two. They took their chances and they got them converted appropriately.
2: Yeah, and, and I think the other point I would make on this is that um, I, I don't even know where the point 0.8 came from for us. <laughs> I mean, it was it was kind of that abject of performance offensively um, you know, you look at the the two clear chances that they had. I think that Tammy had one that he could have put on target, but didn't. Um, and the rest were were uh, were not really that close. So, um, you know, I think just a genuinely disappointing performance um, against a team that we beat four one really comfortably on the road earlier this season. So, I want to
1: read two elements as we get into our first talking point here. One is our record from the first 10 home Premier League matches of the season, which is 1-4, drew 2, lost 4, a total of 14 points, the same as Aston Villa. And then a quote, a tweet from our friend Andy Saunders of the Chelsea, Stanford Bridge is a monastery too. No atmosphere, no passion, it's crap. I don't know what the answer is, and I'm sure – I'm part of the problem, but unless we're battering teams, our support at home is lame. We're not supporting. We're reacting when we're just reacting when good things happen. Nick, take it in any direction you want off of those two elements.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about the table, right? And, and I think when you look at what, what makes a top four side, you know, maybe, maybe we should look at the, 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 characteristics, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat at home. They, they win, I think, more than 40% of their matches on the road. And then they, they have a decent record against top six teams, right? All of those things are, you know, you, you'd prefer to win every match at home. You know, th- that doesn't always happen, but, you know, the, you know, the locked in top four teams, Liverpool, Leicester, City, uh, regularly beat the opposition they're supposed to beat at home. Uh, they do okay on the road. Liverpool obviously having a fantastic year on the road. Uh, and then they, you know, sp- you know, do well against the top six, if not, you know, better than split those matches. So, uh, when you look at a one, four drew two loss four record, 14 points on the year, that isn't good enough. That's not nearly good enough. Now I think, you know, you look back at the draw against Leicester City, you'll take that. You know, you look back at the Sheffield United home result, maybe that ends up being a better result as the season wears on and they're they're comfortably in the top half of the table. But these losses uh, against West Ham, against Bournemouth, uh, and today against Southampton are are pathetic at best. I mean, losing to Liverpool at home, you know, in a really tough fought match that we should have had a point out of, you can forgive, Dan. Um but it's it's just not good enough, and, and you know I'll let you maybe take a stab at the atmosphere piece, but I mean those results are abysmal, and it's something that needs to be sorted really quickly, and it's it has to be I think a combination of Frank and the players getting it absolutely right at home from now on, and in collaboration with the fans to beef up that place and make it a terrible uh, place for opposition to play.
1: Well, it comes as no surprise that. We're seeing the exact same formation or tactics being deployed by by opposition teams that are coming into Sanford Bridge at the moment. They are preparing to sit back. They're letting us have the ball very reminiscent of some of the matches we saw last season, probably the first and most boring match to watch the one where I felt like the moment the goal went in that. We were very unlikely, with at least the collection of players that were on the pitch for the first part of the game, unlikely to get a result out of it. Kept watching, but had this sneaking suspicion at the end that we would not have anything to take away from it. And it turns out it got worse because it went from a 0-1 to one to a 0-2 to two tie fixture for Southampton. The challenge is now... How do we put the right type of players? You know, concern being Kovacic was out suspended this match. He's someone who would have driven the ball forward, maybe given us, especially with the midfield two, do you take Jorginho out for these matches because we're just doing a little bit too much of the sideways recycling movement? That we're trying something a little bit more risky, trying to go a little bit more direct. But this hasn't worked across successive matches now against Bournemouth, against Southampton against West Ham, your comment of it not being good enough is absolutely right. And I think the question is now, is what's the collection of players that we could put on the pitch to try and fix this issue? Because I think, in my mind, we've kind of become, you know, to use our American football references, like we're a rookie quarterback, and we had a really great run of four, five, six games, but now people have tape on us. You know, Frank and our run, yeah, you know, started a little rocky, but we then had a little bit of a meteoric rise and now we're kind of coming back down maybe to the mean because people are seeing, "Oh, we can try this tactic." Southampton came in inspired by the results of Bournemouth and West Ham and felt like they could get something here. And that's that to that point. Not acceptable from the performances, but not acceptable to give that level of, of mind share or confidence to other teams coming in, which only in turn is going to erode the confidence maybe of our team.
2: Totally. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I think the, you know, it, like if you're Frank Lampard, you know what's coming too, right? I think that's probably the most frustrating part is, you know, the the low block nine or block 10 is coming. Um, it's It's not... It's not as if this is a tactic that is, um, you know, new or whatever. I mean, this is just what teams typically do at the bridge. And, uh, you know, you looked at a couple of performances today. I think you called out Jorginho rightly. It wasn't quick enough. It wasn't dynamic enough. The over-the-top balls didn't work. Okay? So that's out. A guy like N'Golo Conte, who's played uh, a lot of matches over the last few weeks, um, has... You know, a really kind of poor match for his standards. Uh, and so that's your midfield, too, uh, who are getting pressed all game because, you know, Southampton have the energy and haven't been playing in Europe all year, um, who are coming at us, right? We asked the question if, if Willian, you know, if we only see, you know, the Willian that we saw against Tottenham against Tottenham, and we saw an abject, uh, you know, 30% version of that guy today. You know, um, I know we're going to talk about Callum a little bit later here, but like the, Tammy Abraham couldn't control the ball at his feet today, couldn't take the chances when they actually were put at his feet, which was rare and and looked kind of lost uh, against two really average Premier League center backs. Uh, Dave and Emerson, uh, completely different performance on the wings than, than what we were expecting. And when they reverted to the back four, that's when we got burned again. I mean, it's just up and down the team, Dan, it just was not good enough from a performance standpoint. And, you know, I I mean, obviously you canceled the day of the match, but this is like, it's just shocking how we can go from such a good dominant performance on the road in a tough place to play, to go home in front of our fans. And they can't, they can't seem to get up for it.
1: I think the difference is, at least with Southampton, they didn't want the ball. They wanted to counter. They wanted to try to catch us in a moment, uh, defensive laps, which they did on more than one occasion, whereas Tottenham were okay chain, you know, going blow for blow a little bit. So we had width. We had space to operate in, and the passing channels or lanes were very, very small, And what we, I think, really saw today is that Emerson and and Azpilicueta in terms of fullbacks that can get the ball to a striker like Tammy Abraham, who is lethal in the box, is not of the quality that we need, and they're not capable of doing it at a consistent rate to make that a successful strategy. I think ultimately, the other thing is maybe you need a second person in the box with a higher level regularity someone who is tall enough to pull the ball down. And that's why when I look back at today, I'm wondering why we didn't see someone like Mishi come on to play two up top with Tammy to then maybe put Mason behind them and try to distribute the ball with some of that quick interchange and just do something different. Because to the point you mentioned earlier, Callum was was struggling a bit. I'm not sure if trying to put him in as a starter versus maybe putting him in as a sub when things are going a little bit smoother, when you've gotten the one goal, when you're 20, 30 minutes away and you're helping this guy get back up to fitness might be the better approach. And and so as we kind of jump in and we would talk a little bit about Frank, I I feel like he maybe is kind of doing doing this to himself. Like these are self-inflicted wounds. These are things that, you know, if we can see it, we feel like they should be able to see it. But, but maybe not. I mean, am, am I wrong there? I mean, do you agree? Do you disagree?
2: So we, I was I was having a conversation on Twitter with a, a few folks before and during the match, and obviously the range of emotions uh, got more ne- more negative as the, you know, from from when the team was announced until until the result was was final. But you know, the the talk at the beginning of the match was around specifically around Callum, and I think the shock that. Pulisic and Reese James were not both starting this match, um, given that they really haven't uh didn't play that much. I know that Reese came on a little bit against Tottenham, but they didn't play against Tottenham. So um, you know, I think that, you know, Frank, as he said on the fifth stand app, he, he wanted to show faith in Callum for, you know, some good work and training and he also said he's going to keep showing faith in him um, to do something. Um, he he got that one wrong today. Uh, like that's it's just a you know kind of an objective fact. I mean, what Pulisic did in 20 minutes versus what Calum did in 70 uh, was kind of night and day. Uh, Pulisic got a shot on target. Uh, Pulisic was dribbling in the box and one foul uh, on the edge of the area that almost was converted. I mean it he's, he's our most dangerous attacking player in the final third. And it it kind of isn't that close um, this season, at least. Um, so, you know, I think Man, Frank, I
1: mean, you look at, you look at Mason coming in too. That was another example totally. of when the, the game completely changed. He brought in tempo. He brought in energy. And again, Frank mentioned that it was a little bit of an illness situation that forced him to not start with Mason. So I think the, the context is helpful. The context is important. But you're seeing that the the squad is not strong. The squad is not deep. And that illness and the season is taking a toll. And that, I think, is a challenge that Frank will have to find a way to work through. Because these, again, should be winnable games. And we should have hope or trust that we should be able to take these games and win them 1-0 and get our three points and be done with it. But totally. that isn't continuing to not happen. Well, I mean, we,
2: we talk all the time about rotation, right? So, like, you know, tough match on Sunday. You play again on Thursday in in the busiest period of the year. You should be able to, if you're Frank, trust Calum Hudson-Odoi, trust Emerson, um, trust Jorginho, you know, all, all of the all the potential subs that, that could have made the rotation better. Uh, and and right now he has to be struggling to make these decisions, right, Dan? Because he's not being rewarded for showing faith in in some of these guys to come in and do the business. So it is a little bit chicken in the egg when you're talking about he's, you know if he's doing it to himself or not. I mean, yeah, kind of. But he's also he's put a lot of faith in guys that haven't necessarily rewarded it this year, um, and so. You know, I think there there does need to be kind of a, a look in the mirror, um, especially at home from some of these guys to go out and really just put it on teams.
1: That's that's it. Yeah. He I, I just think he's overthinking it. It's to me, if you know, you look back on and, and I think the challenge is that we're looking at someone who, again, I think you rightfully call this out in some of your Twitter back and forth is Frank is six months you know, into a Premier League campaign for the first time in his season as a manager and the step up from managing in the championship to managing in the Premier League is a little bit of a challenge. And when you don't have a deep squad, when you don't have healthy players, it does force your hand a bit. I do think that the lack of willingness to try things like two strikers on top, and I get part of it is, well, Tammy goes down injured and if Mishi then is our only striker available or you know that then, then we're you know now have to kind of think differently about that but these are the type of games where 45 minutes in maybe we should be making more changes because the the end outcome was inevitable to the fans of the stand to people at home and it's seemingly like everyone else except Frank Lampard and those players and maybe it's a, a higher level of self-belief than we have currently but. It's where some of the experience, I think, is lacking and is kind of coming to a head where these type of tactical, you know, willingness to change tactics, willing to try a little bit more kitchen sink that we saw earlier in the season have gone away a bit. And I don't know if I'm maybe being too rosy in reflection upon where we were early in the season, but I felt like I saw a higher level of experimentation in game than I did in this match, the West Ham match, and the Bournemouth match?
2: I mean, so, uh, again, I, I think Frank has a lot of work to do. And, you know, I think we can we can all kind of point to him as the focal point of the team and the leader of the team, right? Um, and I have no problem, you know, I think, I think we are nothing if not fair on this podcast about performances, good and bad. So I want to throw that out there. I think that Frank has an incredible amount of work to do um, because – Part of me says, like, man, he got it wrong Gay, he got it wrong again today. He got outmanaged by Ralph Hassan uh, who is not uh, not a very good manager, although somehow keeping Southampton alive after a nine nil drubbing or whatever. Um so he has to do something different. He has to try it. So he comes out in the same formation that he, you know, he had so much success with in what should be a relatively easy transition for the handful of players that come into the team. Cool. Okay. That, that made sense to me at the time, but clearly, you know, Southampton were looking to counter. They didn't want the ball like Spurs wanted the ball. So you got to change something up. And so, you know, seeing Zuma off and Mount Mount on at half. All right. You know, that's a, that's a significant change. The formation changed. We had a, a decent spell at the beginning of the second half. And then, you know, with the few chances that we did create, we didn't come nearly close enough to to finishing them. And there's nothing that Lampard can do about that. You know, so like he has played a 3-4-3, he's played a 4-4-2, he's played a diamond two, he's played four uh, two, 3 1 He has changed a lot of formations and a lot of rotation of players this year to give uh, to give rest, to give people a shot. And again, the outside of Pulisic. Um, you know outside of of maybe Tamori outside of you know Mount you know who has really rewarded his you know kind of gamble Stan?
1: yeah that's that's going to be uh, Kovacic
2: sure okay that's a good one yep Kovacic is obviously know, a good I, year. I think
1: Ko- Kovacic is probably the one who has played above the at least my my personal expectation for him outside of that grouping that you mentioned already i, I think look as it stands today 22 combined matches across all competitions, barring advancement in the FA Cup and Champions League for the remainder of the season. And we don't have have at least four to five of those matches another player coming in, right? Because, you know, they're not going to make it in time for the FA Cup earliest. Maybe you get somebody in for Burnley, but potentially Newcastle is probably when someone would be in and a little bit more acclimatized there's not much else that Frank is going to have to work with. And so it's getting it right with the existing squad of players. You know, I think people keep on highlighting, well, why, you know, why, why was a Callum getting a start earlier? We saw maybe an example of that today. I think getting Ruben back healthy would be amazing, but how impactful he could or couldn't be is also a question mark. It's just a matter of that. You know, at this point it's going to be getting it right with this team and, Maybe it is saying, hey, we're we're going to do a back four and this is going to be my preferred team and lineup. This is going to be my midfield two and this is going to be my attacking three. And I'm going to go with Tammy up top because I think we've seen more success over the entirety of these results with the back four, with the midfield two and then with a, a with a three and Tammy up top. And I maybe if that Christmas tree puts us in a better shape, better position, that might be the way to go for some of these matches to just get back to being a little bit more stable, being a little bit more structured because like, maybe that structure is what's missing for these players who are newer, who, when we get punched in the mouth, I mean, we have not done well when we've dropped. And we, when we, when we go behind, we don't, we don't take a result. So there's a lot of negative impacts to some of the challenges we're running into. And yeah, you know, I would love to hear kind of maybe your thought on like, should we just, adopt a formation for the remainder of the season or do you want to continue to see that experimentation i
2: mean I mean, he's damned if he does damned if he doesn't right so like if he does that if he does exactly what you just said he's going to be called stubborn and sorry-esque and he won't rotate you know and all that kind of stuff so cool maybe that gets us some results in the short term i don't know how necessarily successful that will be in the long-term knowing that we're only half of the season through and we only have a handful of players performing at or above the level on a weekly basis. And a handful was certainly generous today. Um, so he's damned if he does that, right? Uh, he's damned if he doesn't in the fact that, you know, he, he has toyed around with the formation this year. He has given a lot of people a chance. He has switched up the formation in game. He has used different subs in different situations. So it's almost like we went from a incredibly rigid, sorry, to an incredible, like almost too flexible <laughs> Lampard, and uh, you know, days like today at home, I, I just want to see this team all out at attack, um, not play scared. You know, they they went into the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday with uh, an air of confidence, an air of self belief um, that I haven't seen for a while, and that result worked for them. It seemed like today they. Clam up! They get a little bit nervous, and you know the atmosphere isn't you know necessarily conducive to a a bunch of confidence being laid at their feet, and you know they just froze. So I you know I genuinely you know this is why Frank gets paid a lot more money than we did, <laughs> Dan. But um but I, I genuinely don't know what he does because there are a lot of people who you know are are at the very least frustrated, and then there are a couple of morons out there who think that you know I saw you know a lot of mention of like, well, would Potch be doing this bad? And you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, give me, give the man, how about we do this? How about we give the man a little bit of time to figure this out as we're sitting in fourth place, huh?
1: Well, considering that we didn't bring anybody to help at the beginning of the season, we lost in Hazard. We have seen a little bit of a dip in form in some of those players who were contributing at a, a higher rate last season. That has put us in a position where we were already Hamstrung at the beginning of this campaign, and so while we've had opportunities, and while the standard is higher, I think I am at least accepting of where we're at. It it sucks. Look, it look sucks to lose to teams that we should absolutely wipe the wipe the floor with. And I think it's okay to be agitated. I think it's okay to be frustrated. I don't know if you could pluck another manager out who would have a wanted this job given the constraints of it and not knowing if the ban was or wasn't going to be overturned. So like I think the individuals going for like our revisionist history are really stretching the fibers of the universe when they're trying to pull it apart and put it back together fan of snap style. And then I think from a talent point, you know, we are grooming a lot of young players and it, it's continuing. It will be a work in progress. And as many times as we see Tammy have a great game, Mason have a great game Fakayo have a great game. They also make the mistakes that younger players do. And we have players maybe that have been on this team for longer than many of us. And maybe even the club thinks that they should have been here, but because our inability to sign maybe new players, you know, we Giroud probably should have gone at the end of the season if he wasn't going to play, but, We couldn't sign anybody and we could could renew him. Pedro potentially should have gone at the end of of this season, but he had an opportunity to, you know, didn't have the opportunity to, you know, get out of his contract or we we didn't have the opportunity to sell him and bring anyone in. So I think we are the byproduct of a lot of interesting decisions that have brought us here. And what we should just do right now is realize that and and continue that we'll probably go out now, Nick, and beat Arsenal. and then maybe we'll go lose to Brighton because like that's the type of reaction this team has had to like playing up to talent and not knowing how to stay at that level for talent that is te- you know, what we would deem as lower level.
2: Totally. I mean this is this is a quote from our friend Liam Toomey of the Athletic, but on on the plus side for Chelsea, three of the next four Premier League matches are away. So, at least we have that to look forward to. Um There we go. Yeah. That's
1: uh that's uh, nine points right there. <laughs>
2: so, I mean like I I just yeah, it, it is. It's going to be interesting, right? If you go out and beat what right now is an abject version of Arsenal, um, not very good, drawing Bournemouth today, uh, losing on on Sunday, are you? You know, that's a that's a good win. Obviously, it's a it's a good win to beat Arsenal away right after being Tottenham away. I think those would be great, uh, great moments for the team. But you know, then you have to come back home to Brighton who is going to, who played Spurs tough today, right? Dan, like all of these things are, are happening very quickly. Um, So it's going to be very important that this team, um, you know, you know, does what they do on the road, which has been incredibly impressive performances for the most part this year, you know, nearly drawing city away, uh, you know, smashing wolves at home, uh, all that kind of stuff. But but they gotta they gotta be prepared for that Brighton match at home. You cannot drop all of these points at home. It's it's just it's going to become impossible as we hit February, March to be in the top four if that's if that's what happens.
1: Especially with some of the results that have taken place over the weekend. We will take just one quick, quick break and then we'll be right back to talk about who we think the one player is that could change the narrative for us if we're going to put a bet on who that player is that would make it so we could start winning games at home after this break. All right, so last quick topic of conversation before we look at the league table. We did not do a Dan of the Match poll, so in place of that, Nick, if you had a a tenor or maybe a, a Jefferson in the, in the U.S. here, who would you put that on to be the player that turns around the the one player who might be the one who could impact the home results and kind of change this narrative here that we've kind of spent the last half hour talking
2: about? Oh, God. Um, that's that's going to be tough. I mean, I, I, right now, just because he didn't play that much today, I would say Pulisic um, maybe followed closely by, um, by Kovacic. But, you know, I, I think... I think it will just require, you know, everybody in the team to up their game. You know, I think Pulisic has proven to be our most dangerous, you know, attacking um, forward uh, this season just with his ability to control the ball and and move the ball forward and all that kind of stuff and and dribble in the box and create chances. But it's not just going to be him. I mean... You need William playing at at seventy percent or better every match. You need consistency from him if he's going to be one of those on field leaders. You need Jorginho uh, to to play at his best. You need Ingolo uh, to to be all over the place. You know, I think the the difficult part now, Dan, is we're in this. You know, we, we played well against Spurs after having basically a full week to prepare, right? I don't think we're going to have a full week to prepare at least until March. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's it, – it's just going to require everyone to up their mental game as much as it is to maintain or improve their physical games.
1: Yeah, I think to me it's it has to be Willian. And we, we saw what he could do when he was up for it against Spurs, and, and he's been a bit of a punch card player in his career where he struggled to, to hit double-digit goal tallies. And Tammy's going to get back on a scoring wagon. You know, I think he is, you know, continues to just slightly outperform his expected goals. So, you know, that they're going to come back. You're not going to keep him quiet forever. You can't keep the muzzle on him. Um, you know, the silencer on him, like you're going to hear him shoot and uh, it's going to get in the back of the net. But I think where it's the second person who starts contributing or chipping in some goals, because right now when you look at us across What is the current? I'm going to call it top eight because that's the only way you get United into the conversation as well. But they had a bit of a good result today against Newcastle. You know, Liverpool 42 goals, Leicester 41 goals, Man City 50 goals, Spurs 34 goals, Sheffield 23, United 30, Wolverhampton 26, and us at 33. You know, we are not setting the world afire. And then on top of that, we've allowed 27 goals too. And there's a reason why we are at 32 points right now after 19 games, which is not a great return. You know, we are seeing, we have the most lost matches out of a top eight side. And you have to go to a top 10 to bring in Newcastle for us to have a team that has more losses than we do. You know, so we are kind of this yin and yang, ebb and flow, yo-yo up, yo-yo down. We are not, we're not middling, which is nice, but we could use some more consistency. Convert some of these losses into draws, draws into wins, and that's the only way, only going to happen right now, because it looks like we're going to continue to leak. We just need to score more than the other team, and it, to me, it's very reminiscent of Klopp's first year in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would look to, I would look to Callum too. Honestly, I know that he's had a really, really bad run of form. Um, he was, he was pretty poor today, if we're honest about it. It looks like he's lost a little bit of, of his trademark speed from last year. It looks like he's, um, you know, lost confidence dribbling at players. It looks like he's lost the, you know, maybe some of the touch that he had on on some of those crosses that we were there to, to witness. Uh, I I think if Callum is able to get it right, he provides a really attractive third and or fourth option depending on where Mason is being played uh for Frank to rotate and but he has to get it right. Um, you know, I don't I don't see Callum in training, uh, except for when we were there in, in September, 10. Um, but you know, he's a guy that you could look to, you know, and say, like, wow, you know, if he got back to like last year's form, especially as he was just cruising and so confident and so energetic, what that might do for this team. Um, you know, Ruben Ruben's likely not going to hit last year's form again if he does play at all this year, right? Um, you know his injury is worse than Callum, so you could kind of start to play out that timeline in your mind. But if Callum's able to really come back, and and I I truly hope he does, because not only did we reward him with a contract, but I think there's just a lot of fans who put a lot of faith in him over the transfer saga. Uh, I I think he could be a real difference maker.
1: Well, we have had our say now. It's your turn to get yours. Tweet at us. Hit us up on Instagram. Nick's been doing a great job there. On Discord, if you're a member of Patreon. Shoot us an email. Whatever it is, get in in touch. Let us know what you think. But that's it. That's a wrap. We don't want to linger too long on the Southampton game because Arsenal is ahead. We have another match coming up this weekend so we will get back after that but until then Chelsea fans you know what to do in spite of a bad result keep the blue flag flying high